Oh my gosh, I loved today's interview. You are about to meet Barbara and Louie, aka the Roaming Rebels. These guys are fantastic. They basically wrapped up their whole life at 50, decided they were going to go and travel the world on motorbikes. And when I caught up with them, they were locked down in Cambodia, one of my favorite countries in the world. In today's chat, we are laughing and we are chatting all about how they basically left their life and went traveling, what it's like to travel on motorbikes, the kind of equipment they're using because they have a really engaging Instagram account and they do weekly vlogs on YouTube and oh they just got it going on they're absolutely awesome and this is such a fun and vibrant and energetic chat and I can't wait to actually catch up with them face to face somewhere in the world so check out today's interview you are going to love it it's going to make you laugh <laughs> wouldn't you love to build a business you can run from anywhere in the world whether that be your kitchen table or a beach in fiji well you're in the right place welcome to your lifestyle business the show where i bring you into my life as a traveling entrepreneur and along with some of my awesome guests give you tips and strategies for building your own freedom business welcome to the show let's make it happen Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing? It's Joe here from Your Lifestyle Business, and I'm very excited to be joined by Barbara and Louie from Roaming Rebels today. Uh, hi, guys. How are you doing? I'm very good. We're very good. Hello. Nice to meet you guys. Um, so Barbara and Louie are currently locked down in Cambodia. Um, and uh, they started traveling from what I can gather a few months ago. We're going to get into that, though, as I speak to you. And they've got a really highly engaging Instagram account um, where they tell stories of their travels and all that kind of stuff. And so I couldn't wait to get them on for an interview um, to tell their story of how they got going and, and where they've been. So here we are, guys. And um, you're currently in a hotel in whereabouts in Cambodia are you? We are uh, stuck in the capital, the capital by the name of Phnom Penh, uh, which is quite a, quite a sizable city. Um, so yes, we, we managed to get ourselves into a hotel room here. Uh, we're also doing a bit of a, of a check of the area and exploring of the area, which is a very, very uh, diverse uh, spot to explore. And the hotel is quite central to, to, to the plans of doing that. Um, so I haven't been to Phnom Penh. I went over to Siam Reap a couple of years ago with my sister um, and we went to Angkor Wat and sort of traveled around, you know, that part of Cambodia. Um, and for me, I must say Cambodia was a bit life changing because I'm very ashamed to say before going to Cambodia, I wasn't. Um, fully versed on what happened with the Khmer Rouge and, you know, all of the history. And so actually traveling to the area and finding out and discovering everything that happened was a super life-changing experience for me to really understand everything that happened. Um, how, do, how are you loving Cambodia? What's, what's your thoughts on it as a country? Um, well, for the, we, we've been to Cambodia, I think, about uh, three years ago. So we went then to Simrip and we did Kampot. And at that time, we did a very touristic, you know, how much can you cram into uh, 10, weeks, uh, 10 days of holiday, uh, your traditional traveling. Um, so now this time, we obviously, we've been here now for three months. Uh, we have more time to explore. Out of the three months, though, we have been stuck uh, for 11 weeks, so just over two months. Um, in a very small town called Banlung in the Ratanakiri province. It's probably one of the lesser known uh, provinces. It's also the only province that had 
had no COVID-19 uh, infections. And we decided to actually do our own lockdown. So that's why we decided to stay put, not travel around. Uh, as soon as you stay a little bit longer in the place, you uh, start traveling or meeting more with the expats than with the locals. Um, so we have been exposed to a few uh, Khmer people. Uh, some we've become very, very good friends, like sisters now to us. And um, it's only about two weeks ago that we started traveling around Cambodia because there has been no further outbreaks. Uh, there is no lockdown. You can actually travel. There's a lot of places that are closed. Uh, but now that we can travel around, uh, we make new friends. And must say, Cambodians are very welcome, uh, even towards us as, uh, as foreigners. They're very interested in our story. They love our bikes. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different kind of traveling now because it's sometimes hard to find uh, hotels and guest houses that are open and the, route, the roads are not always ideal and the rainy season is about to start. So traveling on a motorbike is a little bit more uh, complicated, but it's, um, I think we, we will start again next week. Uh, we've been now here a, a week in Phnom Penh. So um, on Saturday we will, Louis and I, we planned a whole tour around Cambodia and it will be in small, small villages, uh, waterfalls, small, uh, the big mountains. I mean, so it's going to be quite interesting. Beautiful. Oh my goodness. That's so great. We've, we've literally heard just in the last couple of days that it looks like Thailand, the inter-provinces are about to open. So whereas in the summer we would normally go back to the UK or somewhere, I think that we can't do that at the moment. Um, but apparently we might be able to do like a road trip and, and go around Thailand, which is something actually I'm ashamed to say we haven't done yet. So that would be really nice just to go around some of the small, smaller villages and places within Thailand as well. Um, yeah. So we're in very, similar situations aren't we that we can now start to move around the countries but we can't yet yeah. get in or out of anywhere <laughs> so have you learned any Cambodian while you've been there can you speak any of the language <laughs> you can say thank you I think thank you is about the only word <laughs> and then I said, well, right yeah, no, that's cool. So tell us, tell us what brought this all on. How long have you been traveling now? When did you leave? You were both living in South Africa, from what I can read from your account, um, and you decided to just completely pack up your corporate lives, get everything that you wanted to, you know, do over and done with, and grab everything and leave and travel. So, just tell us about how all that came about, what inspired you, and how you got started. Okay, well, uh, that's a big question. Yeah, huge. You see, where I'm coming from, or where I came from in South Africa, it was, uh, in my opinion, not a not a fantastic place to be for me. Um, I'm not a very political person, or too worried about voting and all that kind of usual nonsense but it became a situation where it was very much a reverse racism kind of thing and being that being forced down your throat morning noon and night everywhere you go just at some at one point just uh, i just had enough so i said to barbara uh, listen i want to leave the, the the main motivation for that probably occurred when we came to vietnam the first time a few years back and then cambodia and thailand a little bit later than after that, where, you know, you can't come to these places and not be changed and not experience it and say, gee, you know, there's more to life than, than what we used to, like, to fight. So, 
and me coming from a motorcycle background, when I landed on the you know in the country the first time and I saw the millions of motorbikes, I, I said to her, you know, this is the place I could live in. So one thing led to another, and uh, when late late to twenty nineteen, we sort of made a plan and said, okay, let's pack it all up and let's let's do this. My son was at that point still going through his matric year or his his his, um, his senior year. And our plans sort of started falling into place. And when he finished his, uh, his, his schooling, he was uh, taken in by my younger brother in Johannesburg, take him under his wing, help him to find a job, look after him as, as the uncle that, uh, that do the many things. You know, they do the hunting and they do the motorcycling and they do all those sort of things that, that a young guy wants. My daughter, on the other hand, uh, wanted to go to her mother in New Zealand. So all of those sort of things fell into place and we managed to get the kids where they needed to be. And then we hopped on a plane and, uh, and landed in, uh, in Vietnam uh, just on the end of November 2019. Our initial plan was to travel Vietnam from the south to the north, sort of work our way through that for a, a year or two or three maybe, as long as it took to, to finish Vietnam. Uh, and in doing so, through collaboration with a local company, we managed to get our first three-month tourist visa. In hindsight, it was supposed to be a business visa, which would mean that you would not have to leave the country to renew it, but it, they actually gave us a tourist visa, which forced us to leave after the expiry of the first three months. At that point, our trip sort of took us to a, a, a beach town by the name of Natrang, which was fairly close to a, a land border between Cambodia and Vietnam. And I said to Barbara at that point, let's rather drive to the border, do a border run, get our visas renewed and then return. But maybe while we are paying a normal visa fee, which grants us 30 days access, let's make use of it and spend the 30 days in Cambodia. That being said, we entered Cambodia, we found a nice little lodge to stay in, which was in a, in a little town called Banlum, which is a very small, very undeveloped town. And as luck would have it, while we were there, we obviously being on top of the news and seeing how things were going with the borders and the, and the virus, we then realized that they were closing the borders between Vietnam and Cambodia. So a little bit of a shock, but then we said, fine, no problem. We'll, we did some research to try and find out how we renew our visas that are now Cambodia-based. We, uh, <laughs> through a long process, had our passports delivered to a bus company that, that was parking people up and down between Phnom Penh and Balloon. And then the, and then the passports, the passports were then collected by a, a motorcycle rental company, a tour company in Phnom Penh. They handed it in at the embassy, which then got us a new visa. We went back on the bus and we managed to get our passports back, <laughs> luckily, in, in Balloon. Luckily, after that, uh, the government here decided to automatically grant extensions to the tourists that are here on tourist visas. You don't need to pay for visa, you don't need to do anything, you can't leave the country. I understand that in Vietnam it's not the same, same sort of scenario, there the people are double charged for their visa fees, they have a tremendous amount of, of, of complications to go through to get visas renewed. So we're very fortunate that we decided to come to Cambodia and, and be stuck in a more friendly kind of situation. Yeah. That being said, yes, then we ended up in, in this little town in Banlung, as Barbara mentioned before, at a very nice little lodge that, that's owned by a local Khmer lady. And she actually happened to be one of these uh, children at, at that stage that was involved in the Khmer Rouge. 
Her father was the general that was running the opposing military force. Her mother was the wife that was putting the little kiddies in a, in a basket on a bicycle and traveling for hundreds of kilometers to, to outrun the Khmer Rouge guys that were coming to, to find a family to execute them. So it was, we were lucky to be in her presence to actually get the story from somebody that was physically there, yeah. close to the general that was physically the person in charge of the forces to, to get Paul Pot and his guys uh, out of the country. So very enlightening. I think we will still at some point do a video just just based on that. Yeah. Uh, I think this is so, I mean, this is what I talk about all the time to my community that um, to travel is to broaden the mind, is to learn and to understand what is happening and has happened, you know, all around the world, which, you know, promotes tolerance and understanding and cultural diversity. And, you know, because you start to understand what's gone on, I think it's to travel around and meet people who've been through some of the things that people have. I mean, even Vietnam. Vietnam is to, to go to the museum and learn all about the war and everything. I mean, it's incredible what some of these people have been through. Um, so I love it. I love the fact that you're out there doing it. So Barbara, when when uh, when Louis said, right, come on, let's go, let's leave, let's let's jump on our motorbike. And I need to ask about the motorbikes in a second. Um, when you did, you have any fears? Was there anything that you thought, oh God, I'm not sure, or were you like just totally, yeah, let's do it. I'm up for it. Well, I've I've lived, I think, so far in five different countries. So when I told him, it's like, yeah, I can I can leave as well. He actually didn't believe me. He said, but are you sure? I said, well, I've lived in different countries. I lived in two different continents now. I can go to a third continent. I um, love challenges. There's not many things that scare me. Uh, the only thing that I wanted to sell my company before we go, and um, so we, we are both divorced, single parents. We each have two kids. Uh, so I just wanted to also make sure that um, my children, who had been under my guard for eight years, could now, at the age of 16 and 18, go and live with their dad. So their father had accepted. So my kids have lived last year in Japan. Now they're living in Kinshasa, the DRC. So they're doing their little bit of a world world experience as well. Um, so as soon as that was sorted out, and we also had never the plan to go back. So we said, well, if we do that, let's just cut everything and get rid of everything and, and um, so that was the furniture and our cars and we had a Harley Davidson um, I sold my company we sold basically everything that we had owned in the last 30 years which is high heels shoes and, and jewelry and the, the fancy fancy life uh, so we got rid of all of that so I mean I used to live for five years in Monaco so you can imagine the wardrobe was uh, was uh, was fitted for that uh, for that lifestyle. So basically, we got rid of everything, and then we did a lot of research of how much can you pack in a backpack. It's not we are not backpackers, but still, because we travel on a motorbike, there's only so much luggage you can carry. So it was endless research of the lightest shoes that dry the quickest, the pants that are UV protected that you can wash without needing to dry because it's, it's you know from having domestic full time to now doing your laundry in a in the basin of a hotel, um, but I don't know. A lot of people ask us, but what will you do? And and what if we want to come back? And so much questions based on fear. Mm. 
both he and myself, we actually never woke up and saying, what did we do? What did we decide? Because once you start that ball rolling, there's no, no going back. You don't want to buy furniture again. You can't buy your company back. Or you can't, you know, your kids have gone now, so you made a plan for that. So that's all in motion. We never actually woke up and saying, what have we decided? And so a lot of people ask me, oh, and I think also in our generation, I mean, I, I turned 50, Louis is a uh, 49, very proud to say that he is younger than me. Um, <laughs> I but in, I, I don't know, in that, in that age group, with all respect and, 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 and huge love for, for our uh, friends in, in that age group, there's a lot of fear. You know, so there was a lot of questions. Oh my gosh, this is so brave. I don't think we're brave. We just made a decision. We went for it. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we put aside enough um, to, to, to have this lifestyle. But one of the reasons we decided also to go to Vietnam is because it's probably one of the cheapest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. So we have very strict budgets. We look, we negotiate with hotels. Very often we make, we make deals with them. We feature them, etc. So we work on that. And obviously also through Instagram, um, eventually that will become an account that um, will pay for itself. But that's that's not even relevant. It's, you know, it's about, about content, as you know. But so we... We'll just wing it, and basically that's what we've always done. Um, even uh, in the beginning when we traveled, I would organize everything. I'm a spreadsheet queen, so everything is in spreadsheets. Then we would do this, and then Louis says, no, let's just be more adventurous. Let's just go somewhere for one night and then take it from there. And I think the fact that we travel on a motorbike makes it also way more flexible. You don't have to leave at 7 o'clock because that bus only leaves on a Monday at that time. We can pack up and... People sometimes ask us, oh, where do you want to go home? I said, but this is home. You need my home. <laughs> this, is, this is it, you know? And oh, for this huge, we have one pair of, um, of flip-flops and one pair of clothes shoes, and that's it. We have two pair of shorts, so that outfit you probably see a million times on our Instagram feed. Because it's, it's not, we don't want any belongings anymore. I mean, fancy watches, all this, it's... It doesn't define you. It 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 doesn't bring you happiness. The experience that we have, the people we meet, it's just I mean, to the soul, to your, it is just so much more rewarding. And it's the the opportunity. It's just there is no plan. Our plan is unplanned. So if we want to stay two years in Vietnam, or maybe only three months, or we want to stay, we go somewhere else. We'll wing it. There's always, you know, and I say to a lot of people, even if you make that decision. Your brain, your entrepreneurship comes with you. So if you really need to make money again, you will find a way. There's always opportunities. You just have to keep your mind open, talk to people. There's always ways of, in a new place, start all over again. I started all over in in different countries. And started a whole new company in a new country with new laws. It's just, you need to do research. And nowadays, with the internet, you can do so much research. I mean, if you ask this tomorrow, we'll have to start producing um, pepper. We'll do a pepper farm. We'll do it. You mm. know, or toilet paper. Because toilet paper, not too popular <laughs> right now. But, you know, the point is, if I always say the only obstacle anybody has is here. Up here, yeah. What, um, did, what did you do? What was your, what was your business before you started traveling, traveling Barbara? Okay, so I have run quite a few different companies. I had an advertising agency, uh, then I had an events company, I published a magazine, 
Um, I did some artwork and, and sculpting, but the last 10 years, I started a jewelry company uh, based in South Africa. And it was to, uh, to help underprivileged uh, women in the communities. So they would hand make all the jewelry and all our supplies were local. So it had a very uh, social, uh, social aspect to it. So we did a lot of, uh, we exported to about 24 countries um, and we did some uh, corporate gifting as well. So yeah, it was, uh, it was my baby too. <laughs> and you, and you, you didn't want to keep that going because obviously, you know, you're selling, you're selling the jewelry online. So there was no way you just wanted to cut uh, tie completely. It's, it's very hard. Uh, we did uh, uh, think about it with, uh, with Louis, but then Louis said, you know, if you are there, and there are crisis situations, and then you will have to go back all the time. So I, I we do it fully, um, or we stay, or I stay, and he would have gone without me, I think. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I'm 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 quite hands-on. Uh, delegation is not always my 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 strong point. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, so. But also because there was a lot of women involved, you have to be you have to be active. You have to go to trade shows uh, because it was mainly wholesale. So you have to entertain, uh, maintain relationships with with, with the shops um, in the different countries and in South Africa, obviously as well. They want to see your face. At the end of the day, it's a, anything in life is about relationships. Yeah, it's not about the it's about the relationship they have either with the owner or the designer or the sales rep or whatever. It's about relationship. If you take that person out, that's the main relationship factor. Yeah, yeah. Your yeah, yeah. company is not there anymore. So I was very grateful. I had an amazing uh, female entrepreneur who's also very, very keen on promoting uh, women in South Africa. Uh, she took over the, the company and she's, you know, continuing with that relationship and, and with, the, with the legacy of, of the brand. Yeah. And what did you do in your former life, Louis? <laughs> yeah. uh, I come from a motor, motor industry background. Okay. I used to be involved in the workshop side of, of uh, numerous dealerships in South Africa. Um, following that, I worked for a company that, that was more on the financial side of things, also working with the motor industry where they were selling maintenance plans and warranties and that sort of thing to the, to the consumers. I was, I was involved in the administration of the claims that are being paid on those policies. Uh, I did that for about 10 years. Then I moved to Cape Town and I, uh, I decided to start my own company. I became a adjuster. What, what that basically entails is being a middleman between the insurance companies and the workshops, where if there is a claim on those policies, I would be appointed to go out and do a technical inspection. So much okay. important in insurance companies would, would pay or not pay the claim. Okay. I did that for about two years. And oh, okay. That was wow. a, yeah, we came to Vietnam. Yeah. So let's talk about motorbikes. Let's talk about motorbikes because you guys are traveling around on motorbikes, right? So how? So, so oh gosh, a few things you said then, Barbara, are so true. I mean, how liberating is it, first of all, to just get rid of everything you own? I mean, I remember when we left ten years ago, we literally just sold everything we owned, including. Um, my daughter was riding around. She was four years old at the time when we left and she was riding around on a little bike uh, in the back garden and I literally had to go and pluck her off the bike, take the bike and give it to the guy. <laughs> that had just 
damaged her for life. No, she's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was so liberating to walk away with literally three suitcases and that was the lot. And over the years, um, you know, we have actually, even though we've got, you know, a bit in the house that we're living in right now, for us to just pick up and go with a few bags, oh, beautiful, I love it, the liberation. So you guys were on motorbikes, which I can imagine means that you you've really restricted as to what you can take um but how great is that that all of a sudden you wake up in the morning and you've only got one t-shirt and one pair of shorts and you're not spending hours thinking about oh what shall i wear and what shall i and of course in the countries that we're in as well cambodia vietnam thailand they're all tropical so you only literally need shorts t-shirts and a pair of flip-flops and and life's a good one but um so, so tell us about the motorbikes then. So what happened when you, when you left South Africa and came over to Vietnam? What do you do? Do you hire them? Do you, have you bought motorbikes to travel around um, the whole of South Africa? Now that's definitely your question. Um, well, <laughs> hours of research, hours. <laughs> okay. You see, yes, you, when you visit these countries, you rent scooters. Um, a lot of people are afraid to do that, but obviously us, me coming from a biking background, you rent a little automatic scooter and you zoom around town and you sort of freak at the traffic and you, you know, you, you read online all these Vietnam, Yeah, oh my God, yeah. You're very fearful, basically, in the beginning. But obviously, I've been a biker for a long time. So before we came, I, I decided, you know, buying would be a better option than actually renting. So a bit of research was done to try and figure which sort of bike would be the best to have? Do you want the automatic scooter? Do you want the manual off-road scrambler kind of thing? Or what is it that you really want? So we settled on automatic scooters that had 25 liters space under the seat. And we found a company in, in Saigon that actually could fit a little Givy box system on the back. You put a clip on and clip off little box that you can put on the bikes. You don't have to elastic fire the whole thing at the back and duct tape it to keep it on the bike, you just clip it in and you go. Nice. So that basically gives us the freedom then to put all the clothes and things in the plastic box. If you go to a place to stay, you just unclip it and it's upstairs. Oh, uh, and whatever you need during the day, you go to extra little things go under your seat. Um, yeah, if you want to show the box, you well, can. I was going to say, you should, that's an Instagram post right there. How you, have you, have you done that yet? Where you show how you no, pack up on the boxes and put it on the back of the bike? This is the box. That's oh, great. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, so that is so good. good. So it just clips, clips on the bike here. That's quite big so as well, isn't it? Nice. Yeah. Hold on. There's an Instagram post there, guys. That's, that's a whole show how you pack up a box, clip it to the thing. That's a great story. People would love to. So that segues very nicely, actually, into your Instagram and YouTube. Because um, I do want to talk about this, because a lot of people watching this um, will be people who are looking to try and build a, um, a business and to be able to go and travel while they're building that business. So something that you guys are doing, I don't know if you're doing it purposefully or unwittingly, we'll get to that, but you're building this fantastic following on both YouTube and on Instagram, which of course, as you grow, you're going to be able to monetize that because you're going to have this this great um, you know audience of people that love your stories. Um, and one of the things are, that really caught my attention 
um, and I don't know who does the story writing. I'm guessing it's Barbara from quite a lot of the um, posts I've read. Uh, yeah, it has that kind of female edge to it. Um, but your stories on Instagram are just great and you've engaged your audience. I mean, the comments that you get on each of your posts. Um, and we were just talking before we went live about there are so many travel accounts on Instagram and without being mean to anybody, because I am not mean in any way, shape or form, but a lot of them are just really sort of vacuous. You know, they're, they're, they're people who are just, their whole focus is on creating this most beautiful image, which is great and I love that and that is so awesome. But it's just a beautiful picture generally with a beautiful person, male or female, in front of it. Um, and, you know, and that's it. And a little sort of line that just says, oh, you know, this was us diving off a cliff in wherever. But your pictures, you have a whole story. You talk about where you are, where you've been, the people that you've met. You talk about the different stories that you've learned along the way. Um, and because of that, quite rightly so, you've gathered this great um, following of people that, don't just look at your photos. They engage with you. They talk to you. So tell us just a bit about that, Barbara, how that came about and how you kind of discovered your voice, if you like, as you were traveling um, and how that translates into what you've created on Instagram. Well, I started our Instagram account, roaming.rebels, it's about a year ago, as we knew that we would make the the big move. So we started already because I thought, I mean, South Africa is a very beautiful destination, Cape Town with the beach and the mountain and the vineyards. I mean, it's such an amazing place. So we just started slowly to, uh, to start with the, uh, with the account. And in my spare time, uh, while running a company and, and planning everything ahead uh, for the move, um, I did a lot of research as well on Instagram and how to grow your account, how to monetize. But I think how to monetize became so less relevant after a while and it just it will come it will happen so i, I just thought let's make it about content and about our personalities in the beginning um not always easy because in the beginning also if you look at my, my very first post um i would have very little words and it would just be i thought like a very nice picture a little bit of words and then i read somewhere it's always good to ask a question at the end uh, so you engage and you actually speak to the people, it's not only about me, me or look at me in front of this and look at me in front of this, which, like you said, would expect there is a market for that. And and but that's that's not we, what we're about. It's not about us all the time looking this in front of the Eiffel Tower. It's me. No, it's the Eiffel Tower, or it's the history behind it, or the people you met around. So in the beginning, when I would post a little question, I would have like no replies. Like, but I said, if that's and I understand the logic behind asking a question. I said, I'll just have to be consistent and continue. And even though I looked at that, I had three replies, it's all beautiful pictures. But I asked the question, <laughs> nobody answered. But eventually, yeah. as you do it, I think in anything you do in life, your vibe attracts your tribe. So we Ooh, I like it. Uh, <laughs> copyrighted. But yeah. um, we've, uh, we've attracted some amazing, amazing travel uh, accounts, yours included. And every person that starts following us and i feel um i decide where i follow them back it's basically on the content not only on the followers not on the but if there is some content that resonates if it's a, a very popular account but i see just pictures about high heels it's not my life anymore i'm not interested in high heels or makeup advice 
gosh, I mean, this is it. I've got, I've got uh, sun lotion, and that's basically what makeup has, has, uh, has become. So looking at the content of ours, and then everybody that I follow back or that's, you know, reciprocity, I send a welcoming message explaining who we are, asking who they are as well. And it's just, I think, whether it's social media or nowhere else, it's just a matter of being polite and yeah. saying thank you because there are so many accounts that you could follow. The fact that you follow us, I'm grateful for each and every one of them. So I think it's a normal thing to do. It's maybe our generation as well to say, well, thank you to our account. Thank you for following us. It's different awesome because that's the style, but thank you for following us. And um, this is a little bit about us, but I want to hear about you as well. So now, yes, when I post now, we get so many comments and I think about 80% has actually read. And I'm always so grateful because sometimes I can ramble around and I just pose the goes and on because it's full of, full of things I need to say and, and, and express. But people actually read it. And then you know this person, oh, I know that she will be cheeky and this one will touch her to the core. You start knowing those people and it's like yeah. a you've created. You've never met them, but some of them, we chat, I mean, offline, and we start chatting, not well, my uh, messenger, but it's just, um, and I think whatever you put in, it always comes out, you know, yeah. so if you are genuine with your content, and yes, for me it's important to have beautiful pictures, I'm an aesthetic, I like, even with the hotels, I like beautiful places, um, but a beautiful picture, but I think the content, the caption is much more important and I think Instagram has grown beautifully into that direction. Uh, just to give you an example, so before I was more of a Facebook uh, person to my uh, jewelry brand, but you post a caption on Facebook, no one reads it. It has yeah. like all shifts to content on Facebook. So even people that know us very well, I mentioned maybe something quite relevant, but maybe sometimes a little bit sad or, or a bit more philosophical. It says, oh, great picture, I envy you. It's like, did you read the caption? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not only about the picture. The picture is there to attract the first, first five percent. The eyeballs, yeah, but you want them to read the story. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. engagement. I mean, normally, you know, social influences is between one and three percent. We're sitting at an 8.2 percent engagement rate. But we're not considering ourselves influencers. We're creators. We we do our own voice. Um, it's always based on on stories. The thing is, well, what made it easier for for, for us is in the beginning, I tried to speak for both of us. But then you lose kind of the personal um, first person uh, voice. I always try to make it. So then I think about. Just before we uh, we started our travel, I just said to me, I said, are you okay if I just start talking my experience? And I was roaming rebels with an S. I mean, and he's still very much, you always say he's the rebel and the roaming. Um, but if I can speak with my voice, it will be, you know, more genuine, more authentic, uh, yeah. more personal. Um, and I love what you said about in the beginning you kept asking those questions even though you had nobody because I've been I've been terrible on Instagram I found it I'm a Facebook girl I have been for 10 years um, and I find Instagram intimidating I, I'll be honest and uh, over the last few months I've been desperate you know I think every week I sit down and think well what should I put on there this week and what's going to resonate and what might be and I suddenly thought to myself um, a couple of weeks ago and definitely seeing your account as well really inspired me I thought Do you know what Joe? Get onto Instagram and just tell your story. Just tell just the story. Me. 
you know yeah, absolutely and the people that that like your vibe will be attracted to you and the people that don't won't you know and it's as simple as that so so thank you for that inspiration if anybody's looking for inspiration on a really rock solid instagram account which i have no doubt is going to just explode over the next couple of years then go and check out roaming rebels because it is uh it's just a great great inspirational account for how to, how to do an instagram account i think personally um but you also do YouTube, and I've had a look at a couple of your. How long does it take you to edit those videos? How, they're, it's they're great travel videos. How long does it take? Yeah, yeah. I, I've got a really tough boss to work for. <laughs> the design background, it's she knows how she wants things and what which video must go where and which. Oh, gee. Sometimes I wonder why I decided to do that, you know. But so you do the editing, do you, Louis? Abigail's? You do the editing, do you? Yes, I do the, the physical ground level work. She does the choreography and the structure and, and so the on. Filming. Well, and filming. Some of the filming, yes. And then it's just a case of sitting and putting it all together. You know, and it's sometimes 20 videos, sometimes 60 videos, it's, and that you take select pieces out of to, to build the story. You know, and I think yeah. every one of our videos that we finish I'm quite surprised that because it becomes a story which I never thought would be hidden in all those videos. Yeah. And I think I think we we sort of do it well. We still have some areas to improve. We still have to learn some fancy tricks and animations and those sort of things. But um, oh, sure keep, it keep it simple. Yeah. The, the the places you go and the stories you tell are all you need. You don't need too many fancy tricks, I don't think. They're not not these days anyway. Maybe years ago when when video was all new, but I think nowadays it's the story you tell and, and the places that you've been. Um, uh, but my question with the videos was, what equipment do you use? I'm, I know that people will say, oh, what do you use to film? What do you, do you, are you just using your phones to actually film the things or have you got cameras? Uh, so we've got uh, a few. So I have my, uh, my phone that I use, uh, Samsung Note 10, that I use because that's on, on hand all the time. Then I have a very, very nifty uh, stabilizer. Like a gimbal, oh, yeah. yeah it's 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 pure magic and it's very very small. So I've got my little. We gotta show you everything now. This is <laughs> That's good. People will want to know the equipment. Okay. All the time, and I've got my, my uh, around my waist all the time. So I've got our passports in there, our caches in there. Uh, not all of it. So if you decide to follow us and take this, not all the caches in there. And yeah, we have uh, wet wipes in there. Um, what else is in there? Uh, cards. We have uh, anti-mosquito, very, very important um, to clean your hands with alcohol. We have the all the masks. The face mask is in there. Mask, yeah. yeah. Actually, also made, and this has helped us quite a bit. We made some um, some little stickers here. Uh, oh sticker yeah! That Watch us on Roaming Rebels YouTube channel. Very good. Where do you stick so we that? that we've got all our handles on there, and we've noticed that Asia people love the stickers. So even in the hotels, and they would stuck it, stick it on the on the reception area or a, or a coffee shop. I can sometimes remove it, so we're going to feature you. So they're, they're very proud, put it on the wall. Uh, so that's quite uh, quite cool. So this is the little, it's a DJI Osmo Pocket. 
and it's as, as small as this. And that's oh, that's your little that's your little gimbal stabilizer. Wow, that's really small. Actually, quite cool. So, how does that? What that attaches to the phone? Does it? No, no, no. It just records directly. So, see, it just moves, uh, and then you've got a very yeah. I know, but I'm trying. No way! That is awesome. I want one of those. That's amazing. You can connect it to your phone to have a bigger screen, but I just use it. So sometimes we only use one bike. Uh, then I just sit behind Louis and I put it in the front and we just take screen view. And then Louis has uh, two cameras as well. Yeah, not really so. Yeah. Um, a little action camera I brought from South Africa, which uh, is a little Garmin camera. There we go. It looks like that. Big yeah. little lens that can go on your helmet, that can go on your bike. Also has a little underwater housing that you can dive, do some scuba diving with, and you can do underwater filming with that. I've used it a bit for that as well. And uh, yeah, so not too serious. We we didn't think carrying massive lenses and big fancy cameras along would would be would be along the lines of keep traveling small and 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 and, uh, and simple. And then in the very end, we actually decided to to buy a drone as well, or something yeah. like that. Fly cams here in Asia, and wherever the opportunity is and the scenery is, is good, we actually uh, we use that to do some aerial shots, which adds a bit of depth and it adds a bit of a perspective sometimes to your to your video. Mm. So, so I don't have big backpacks with cameras and tripods and all kinds of things. It's some well, it's simple and, and, and easy. Yeah, but what is very very important um, on YouTube is the quality of your sound. So this is a little receiver that hooks into the bottom of your cell phone and then we've got a uh, dual interview little clip on, uh, yeah. like yes. this, yeah. it on here and then I've got a second one. So if yeah. you do a like interview, the other person can clip it on and then whenever you record you get really, I mean for the, for the size, uh, yeah. quite good quality uh, of sound and that's, I think it's good a sound um, can I ask you a favour and just ask you after our interview to give me a little list of that equipment because that would be very cool to include with this video just to show people what yeah. you've got. Um, some of that stuff is great for travel. I mean, it's all great for travelling. It's brilliant for people who want to go travelling and be able to do videos and stuff on the go. So that's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, so what's next for you guys then? So once uh, once this lockdown ends and you can kind of get out and go around, what's your plans? What's What's next on the line for Roaming Rebels? You did not listen. We said there's no plan, <laughs> unplanned. <laughs> so it's not planned. You are so right. You said, what the hell, didn't you? You said, we'll just take it as it comes. You've thrown the spreadsheets into the trash and you've said, whatever happens, happens. Brilliant. Yeah. Now, basically, I mean, um, joke apart, just wanted to tease you. Um, on the Saturday, we will do that, that I think it's 1,700 kilometer strip. Uh, that we will do. We have no idea how long it will take us because, like um, we said earlier, this, the raining season is, is coming upon us, so um, not always sure. And then we will see what, what happens. The good thing is by buying a Vietnamese bike, and that's all the hours of research of Louis as well, we are allowed to drive in uh, Laos and in Cambodia. Okay. Um, 
So if Laos opens its borders first and we uh, want to visit uh, Laos, then we might go to Laos. If Vietnam opens the border first, then we go to Vietnam. Um, my plan is still to go to Belgium this year, but I think it might only be next year to see my mother and my, my kids. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of, I think what has helped us is to think as little as possible of the next plan because it's very uncertain what is happening. Uh, mm. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to uh, to play it by ear. Also, once the borders do open, um, we need to see what Cambodia will decide. Like Louis explained earlier, uh, for the moment, uh, the penalty of, of overstay has been waived. But as soon as the borders open, what will the government decide then? Uh, some countries are allowing you for three months in, will only allow you for one month. For us, one month, uh, first of all, will be a lot of admin hassle, um, as well as, as, as a financial uh, a burden as well. Um, and then you, we need to see, and we, we, we look at the news, we are in a lot of Facebook groups uh, of all the different countries, even, even Thailand, we would like to visit, uh, but yeah. we might have to buy a bike there or rent another bike there because our Vietnamese number plates will not be allowed there. So we'll just have to, to play by ear because some countries say, okay, you can't come in, but then a quarantine. We don't want to do a quarantine because we don't need to be in that country necessarily. There's no house waiting for us. There's no, you know, there's nothing waiting for us. So, no, no. Yeah. Um, but you said, uh, you said you definitely don't want to go back. So what are some of the, over the next few years, what are some of the countries that you really want to go and visit over the next few years? We've been invited to Scandinavia, Iceland, America, Philippines. Well, <laughs> yeah. And then you meet people, and then 10 minutes later in the conversation, they say, oh, you should come visit my country and come stay in my house, and I'll show you around. So there's, uh, there's a list of places that, uh, that want to see us. Mm. Whether we'll make it there is a different story. But um, the opportunities are definitely there. People are very welcoming wherever you meet them. They, uh, they're just warm and welcoming, and they... They're proud of their, their, their countries. They want to show you. Yeah. So this is it for you guys. It's just, you know, go, go just go fly by the seat of your pants and just see where the world takes you over the next few years and just explore the world and and uh, different people and cultures and countries. And, yeah, just enjoy life, right? And then things happen. You know, we, we, we received the – while we stayed at one place, the, the, the owner says, oh, would you like to uh, – to, change our uh, hotel or our guest house into a wellness resort, do you want to be involved? So we, all, we had a business proposal there and then we looked at some figures, etc. Then obviously the pandemic started, but we, like, I, like we said, we have no plans. So yes, we can travel for a long time, but if after, you know, we've been now traveling for six months, we stayed in 33 different hotels. Um, it's great, sometimes it's a little bit tiring, maybe when you do on a motorbike and you stay one or two nights and we try to stay a little bit longer just that we can recuperate. We are not that young anymore. Um, I sorry, I'm joking for myself. I love it. Oh, I love it. I've got, um, I've got a boy too, Barbara, so I know, what you, I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I mean, we don't know if after three years you say, you know, this life it's, it's 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 too much for us now or whatever. I mean, we we open to 
whatever life will be. Yeah. So, I mean, don't ever have open to time. And, and I mean, so far, everything comes along your way that was supposed to be. So it's, it's, it's good. So, um, look, guys, it's been amazing talking to you today. Before we go, what advice would you have for anybody else out there who is maybe considering this, maybe thinking about it, but they're, oh, God, it's really scary, and I don't know if I can, you know, tear myself away from all my possessions or leave my family, even if they've got maybe grown-up kids, but they're thinking, oh, do I leave the rest of my family? You know, what all these different barriers and things in their way, but they've got this little little smidgen of thing to go out and explore the world and see what kind of advice have you got for those people well i would just say just go for it do it also not one decision you make is irrevocable so even if you want to do this and after three years you say you know what i am too homesick i miss my my food and i miss my family and, and that you can always go back nothing stops you well except now the pandemic but in normal situation, nothing stops you to go out there and do all of that. And if you have to start all over and go back home, it's possible. It's always possible. It's not that you close any doors. And that's the, I think, whatever you do in life, it's not the end of it. This is not like I said as well. We decided not to travel. But if after a year or a month or 10 years, we decide to do something else again, well, we'll do something else again. Might not be the roaming rebels, but, you know, we'll be reveling something. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, and also, what advice would you have for people that are just thinking about as well starting Instagram accounts, YouTube accounts, and again, all that fear kicks in. I think there's a lot of fear in the world, I think, especially with people publishing things about themselves, their lives, uh, the, the fear of becoming a bit of a public figure, that kind of stuff, you know, or is anybody going to listen? Am I, is it an empty audience? What's going on? What kind of advice would you have for people who also are just starting their kind of Instagram, YouTube journeys? Well, I think that the most important is to be authentic and not worry about likes and followers. Just be authentic and just be consistent, whatever you do. But that's for everything in life. You need discipline. So look out when you post. And of course, I mean, there's a lot of tricks and there's plenty of YouTube and information out there how to do that. Um, you don't need to pay any, any people to run it for you. Just find your own voice. And what if you like that icon and you want to take a picture, take a picture. Don't worry about if everybody will like it. You will find your audience. And it's just to be as authentic and consistent as possible. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, so what, what's – oh, do you know what? I've totally forgot to talk about the grouting of the swimming pool. I wanted to talk about the grouting of the swimming pool. So we're just going to have a quick chat about that before we go. So what's the story behind – how did you guys end up – I've seen the pictures on Instagram. How did you guys end up in a swimming pool re-grouting an entire swimming pool? What's the story behind that? The lodge we lived in in Balloon. Uh, one of the key attractions of this lodge was an almost Olympic-sized infinity swimming pool. And as the temperature would have it, the swimming pool was in, in the area of about 30 to probably 40 degrees Celsius night and day. So it was a very hot, massive swimming pool. And what happened was with the, with the virus lockdown, all the suppliers in Phnom Penh, they could supply chlorine and acid and things to all the guys in the outlying areas ran out of stock. So the pools went green. So what these guys did was they emptied the pool. So a few weeks passed and what happened was at that point is that the owner returned to have a look at, at the things at her lodge and she decided that it was time to do the grouting that was never done. 
What they do in Asia is they just stick tiles on all the surfaces. They never do grafting in between the tiles. So at that point, we were discussing uh, running the lodge and changing the lodge and so on. So I said to her, look, it's a good show of faith. And obviously, because we're also staying there at a fairly accommodating rate, let's pitch in and help them do this job. But uh, things in Asia are not done the way things we do in the West. So we ended up in the corner of this pool with, with a bucket full of grout and all of Barbara and myself, two young guys, and even the owner herself was in the pool with a little plastic spatula kind of thing and a, and a, and a, and a plate, a kitchen plate full of grout. And we were grouting away <laughs> all the little tiles. And then you find that the 20 packs of grout they bought ran out. And then you sort of done a quarter of the, of the corner of the pool. So a little guy would get on a scooter, run back to town, try and find the shop where they bought the grout, buy some more packs of grout, and then he'd return. And it'd be a different color or it'd be, there would be something wrong, but we'd end up carrying on with the same grout and, and doing the rest of that. And at the end, I think what happened was that we, um, we, we, we did that for a few days. Yeah, I think it was about three days because it, three days. it was then, um, I think it was April, and it's the hottest month um, mm -hmm. in Southeast Asia or definitely Cambodia. So we were looking at like 40 degrees. Yeah. And it's funny because if you do the weather forecast on your phone, it says uh, 39 feels like 48. Yeah. So, and it really felt like 48. So we would be grounding from 8 to 11, and then it would be too hot, and then start again about 4 o'clock. And then probably until seven o'clock, but then the mosquitoes would come and uh, and help you ground. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was um, it was like sometimes like what were we thinking to offer the art services? But yeah, I mean we have become friends and and like like you said, we made such a good deal with them as well. And they they cooked for us. They treated we were the only guests there for quite a few weeks, and they treated us like family. And a lot of other lodges already closed their doors, kicked out the foreigners. Which I understand more out of an economical uh, point of view, but um, we kept us on and we just, you know, just say, well, let's 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 it's let's all out, you know. And now, so we can uh, uh, put us on the bucket list. Yeah, it's uh, another naughty bash and done it. Ridiculous. Now, the problem is, whenever we go swimming in any pool, we look at the grounding on the <laughs> Oh, that pro. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but the moral of the story there is, you know, when you go, just be prepared for anything, you know, just be prepared to try your hand at anything. That's great. I love that story when I read that. Um, oh, that's great, guys. Look, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been absolutely awesome to meet you and connect with you. Um, one of the reasons I do these um, lives, actually, I, I originally started this wanting to do podcasts, but that's only ever audio. What I love about getting people on video is that you actually see each other and you can connect and it creates and forges relationships that you never know what's going to happen in the future. So who knows when our paths will cross? I'm sure they will. Um, around we Come to ours. Come for a nice barbecue here in Phuket, Thailand. You're always welcome. There you go. There's another invitation. You are welcome. <laughs> to ours here. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great to meet you guys. Um, so thanks very much. We've been, we've been online for a long, long time, and it's been awesome. It's been absolutely golden. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
Thank you, Joe, for having us. It was so nice to chat with you and uh, to uh, meet you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. To join in the conversation, please head over to yourlifestylebusiness.com where you can find links to podcasts, show notes, and sign up to download my free ebook, How to Build a Business You Can Run from Anywhere in the World. Also, make sure you come and join our Facebook community. Just search for Your Lifestyle Business on Facebook and you'll soon be sharing ideas with like-minded entrepreneurs all on the same journey. Lastly, if you have a moment, please subscribe and quickly rate this podcast on iTunes. It takes a tenth of a second to hit the little stars and your rating will ensure it gets out to more people and impacts as many as possible with the message, make it happen. Thank you so much. See you next time.